The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. We're back. Episode 478 coming to you on Monday, March 20th. If you're listening to us live on YouTube, yes, we have hooked up the soundboard. We got the uh, we got the intro music. Filing in live now, so uh, we're, we're all we're all good. Uh, as always, uh, we're going to talk about USC football here on this episode. A little bit of March Madness talk, uh, both football and basketball, of course. Um, some Big Ten news and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you can find a podcast. We are there. Our email address is Rain of Troy at fanside.com. I'm your host, Mario Castillo. Join, join along with my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, Alicia, you, you said it a little gloomy there. What, what, can I say that that might have been... Uh... Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. Huh? No, Pessimistic Alicia is not in full force. Are, are you sure? Because we have the soundboard back, and it makes me so happy. Hmm. I, I, to... I actually think this is a case of optimistic Alicia. Wow. Exactly. Like It's been a while. It's been a long time, actually, since we've been able to to use those. We, we used to probably overuse them in the past and there were probably listeners who were like thank god their soundboard broke <laughs> and it's now true. it's back so yeah. our our friends on youtube can all experience the joys of uh of our of our million drops and although i i think we're limited in the number we can use on the soundboard so so yeah, yeah we only the only the classics we, we got a new uh mixer soundboard combo thing uh we're super excited to play around with it and um i we're always game for feedback. So if, let us know how the audio goes here live on YouTube. Uh, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts as well, email address is rateofdroitfanside.com. Uh, we do have the soundboard stuff. Not that much on it, like you said, but there is some some oldies. Rose Bowl, baby. Yeah, there's, there's some good ones in there. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, that and, uh, and so much more, including uh, March Madness, of course, as we talked about. But... Before we get into anything, we got to get to a five-star review, 
we got from Fidon Raul. I can only guess that that is the former Real Madrid legend who listens to the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Raul. Uh, yeah, this is five stars and uh, it's titled Fight On Forever. And it says, the Reign of Troy podcast is one of the most comprehensive and engaging USC Trojans football podcasts out there. Hosted by Michael Castillo and Elisa Deartola, the podcast covers everything from game analysis to breaking news, while also providing a healthy dose of humor and personality. What sets the Reign of Troy podcast apart is its deep knowledge and understanding of USC football. The hosts have a wealth of experience and expertise, and they use it to provide listeners with in-depth insights into the team's performance, coaching decisions, and overall strategy. In addition to their expert analysis, Michael and Alicia are also skilled storytellers and conversationalists. They have a great rapport and a natural chemistry that makes each episode feel like you're listening in on a conversation between friends. Overall, the Reign of Troy podcast is a must-listen for any USC football fan or anyone who loves college football. With its expert analysis, up-to-date news, and entertaining commentary, it's no wonder why this podcast has become a fan favorite. Whether you're a diehard USC fan or just love great football analysis, the Reign of Troy podcast is definitely worth a listen. Thank you, Raul. Uh, I'm going to give that 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 review of five stars. It sounds like we is, paid a PR firm pay- to write us. Yeah, a, is he on the payroll? Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> people pay good money for that kind of PR. <laughs> I'm, I'm, geez. Uh, if you want to start a Wikipedia page for us, too, I, and like, I love it. Write a, a whole thing. That'd be that'd be awesome. I mean, that's like the back jacket of a of a book. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that super professional? I mean, and it and it hits. I mean, as we always say, like it hits on the things that we. It's really meaningful to us because, like, that's exactly what we're going for. Especially conversations between friends. That's always what we've been going for. Yeah, we want our listeners to feel like. They could be sitting in a room with us having the same conversation. And um, and yeah, that's 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 where we're at. So thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Raul, for that. Um, we're super excited to always get a review. You can always leave one over on Apple Podcasts. We'll be sure to uh, to put it together uh, and read it on the pod. Richard in, in the chat says, good thing <laughs> you two have chemistry. I uh, wonder if anything will come of that. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a question for another day, perhaps. Um Anyways, uh, Alicia, we got news to get to, uh, so let's get to some news before we start talking about March Madness. All right, let's start with uh, some more Big Ten talk, Big Ten rivalry news uh, via The Athletics, Nicole Auerbach and Scott Docterman. Um, put together an article over on The Athletic. It's behind a paywall. Go read it. Don't want to completely quote everything in it, of course, uh, because it is premium content. But the the big takeaway here is this paragraph, which is like the second paragraph of the article. At this point, it doesn't look like USC or UCLA will have Ohio State or Michigan as a protected game. Two sources who attended last week's Big Ten meeting said. Yeah, I think this just tracks with what we talked about when we discussed the 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 scheduling sort of question and who protected rivals would be. It just makes too much sense uh, for the Big Ten to understand that you're asking a lot of your major brands to have them play every year. It's hard enough for Ohio State and Michigan to play each other every year without having to add USC having going up up against one of those teams every single year. And while that would be fantastic from a college football fans perspective, from an administrative perspective, that's a nightmare. Sometimes there is 
too much of a good thing. And that could end up sabotaging both sides of the equation on year in and year out. Um, Especially if you have like, can you imagine the nightmare scenario where it's USC, Michigan and Ohio State and Ohio State beats Michigan, but then Ohio State loses to USC and then, you know, USC lost to UCLA or whatever um, in a disaster scenario. And then you've added an extra loss to all of those teams that, that you didn't necessarily need to need to have going. So um, yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. I also thought the, the article was interesting because they discussed the three different models that they're going with um, or that they think they're going to go with in terms of scheduling. And it's all very complicated. And you're right, Michael, to suggest that, that people go read the article because there's a lot that goes into it, um, but it but it was interesting, sort of seeing that there's the sort of rigid, you know, uh, one protected rival. There's the more rigid, like two or three protected rivals, and then there's kind of a hybrid option that would be each team has uh, whatever number of protected rivals that they decide, and then sort of go wild with with their scheduling every year and sort of play it by ear almost. And, and uh, I would be very, very surprised if they end up doing that one. Cause that just sounds like a nightmare to work yeah. out every year, but that's also sounds the most intriguing because you really could manipulate your schedule in some really, really entertaining ways. Um, so it, it's really going to be what the big 10 is up for, but I was, it was nice to read an article where they talked about how like the big 10 was taking into account that they didn't want USC and UCLA to like have to travel long road trips back to back or something like that. They were going to take like the mileage that those teams are doing and which weeks you're doing your road trip to Maryland in and all of that. Like they are putting a lot of thought into um, the things that I think a lot of USC fans complained for a long time about with the PAC 12, that they didn't seem to put, at least it, on the surface, it didn't feel like they were putting thought into this could really disadvantage this this big brand of ours, and we need to make sure that that's not something that comes into play. Now, right. does that mean USC is not going to get screwed by something in the schedule? No, everyone gets screwed in every single schedule. But it was nice to sort of read a little bit about the process behind it uh, in the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and to even just have these things be brought up and say they are considering this, they are trying to minimize these complications uh that it's sort of nice to see nice to hear yeah i i go back to the idea of like you you don't want sc and ucla to play ohio state and michigan because the whole point of leaving the pac-12 is not to have the same issues that the pac-12 had one of those being the constant you know beating each other up thing the Pac-12 suffered every single season, and part of that was because of the nine-game schedule. And the Big Ten already has the nine-game schedule, and the Big Ten has, you know, done a lot of the things that the Pac-12 people are not excited about the Pac-12 about, which is, you know, beating up on their own and, you know, having a, a worthy champ not make the playoff. Like, that's happened to the Big Ten, too. And so you want to avoid that. The Big Ten wants to avoid that when they go out and they add new new schools. And then... If you're SC, you want to make sure that if you're actually going to go out and change conferences, you don't want to end up in a place where the same thing's going to happen to you before um, that happened before. And and to me, that's not having that extra game against uh, a great team every single year. 
Um, every other year, every so often, yeah, you're going to have a schedule that's going to be extra hard because it just is how it is, right? But uh, if you can help it every year, you don't want to have to go to Ann Arbor or Columbus. So um, we'll see how that continues to be. Of course, the schedule for next year, probably still a long ways away. Probably won't see it until after the 2023 uh, football season. Um, next, I think uh, for, for the record, I believe the timeline at the least is to decide on a model yeah. by the summer. So, and that's, and that's not finishing the schedule. That's by the summer, they're going to decide which way they're going to set out to do the schedule. So yeah, it's going to yeah. be a little ways away. Yeah. And and the model could be that they, you know, announce the rotation, but not the days. Yeah. Uh, the, the dates of the, um, uh, of the actual games for next season. Uh, let, let's go to the other big 10 sort of news. Um, this comes from CBS and Dennis Dodd. Uh, spoke to Arizona president uh, Robert Robbins. Great name, Bob Robbins. <laughs> Love that. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a choice. Not his choice. It's parents' choice, but it's a choice. It, it, it's good. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Alicia, what, what, what did he have to say to Dennis Dodd? Yes, he said, USC started this whole thing. I think UCLA was a reluctant follower in this whole thing, but they needed a travel partner close by so it makes sense. If Oregon calls Washington up and says, hey, I can double the amount of money you guys are getting. Come with me to the Big Ten. Washington is going to say, "Okay, I'm in. They would love to have gone. When I heard it first, the deal was going to be USC and Oregon. That makes sense. Their TV market is not that big, but they play in different colored uniforms and they win. That's where I would have started this thing off. I think Fox wanted to consolidate L.A. and not let anybody else in. I think it's brilliant. Well played. So basically what he's saying is that USC decided it wanted to pursue the Big Ten and that Oregon was initially the choice to go with them, but that Fox wanted the L.A. market cornered. And so they made it uh, they pushed for USC and UCLA, which I don't know. Do you have thoughts on this? Because I I have thoughts on it. I mean, my, my only thing is I I don't understand the idea of cornering the L.A. market. Once you have SC, you have the L.A. market. And, and that's not to say that, that UCLA doesn't help. I think UCLA is absolutely one of the schools that you'd want, for sure, um, because of all the reasons we've ever discussed, um, uh, you know, the, the power teams and whatnot. But at the same point, like, I I think that if you're – so much of this is, is so convoluted, and, and I think – sort of overspoken about the different, you know, TV markets. There are Oregon fans in LA. The LA market affects Oregon. I know that, you know, it's not as, you know, the, the metrics aren't the quite same as the, you know, Portland area and all that. Right. But like you can still do that with Oregon and you get Portland. Like, I don't understand this idea of just like getting both from a TV perspective Either way, I don't care. It had to be somebody, and it makes more sense, I think, to have UCLA as the direct travel partner, especially when it comes to basketball. Um, so, yeah, shrug. I, I, I don't really care. It, it all makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Richard in the chat said that UCLA seemed really reluctant, and I yeah, think- like like that. That that's kind of been the the vibe, and maybe not reluctance, but like you know sort of been a passenger along the whole way. And, yeah. you know, 
good for them. Like good for them to, to recognize that it's okay to be the passenger to the big 10 um, in this scenario. Right. I would agree that UCLA feels very much like a, a passenger. I think that's why there's this sense that like UCLA was reluctant. And I think honestly, yeah. I think Richard was being a little bit facetious there. <laughs> he was being sarcastic. Um, yeah. No, but uh, like, but, but no, but the idea is clearly this wasn't UCLA's idea. Clearly right. UCLA has had the greater complications because of the UC system and that whole thing that they've had to go through where the, the Cal and the regents are trying to, you know, get some money back from them and all this. Yeah. Certainly it's a more complicated process for UCLA. I think that's why there's this perception that UCLA was, um, and, and Kenny, Re Re reluctance, not the exact word. Yeah. Yes. Reluctance, not yeah. the exact word as, 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 uh, Kenny points out, like their fans seem more upset about it than USC fans, USC fans, for the most part, from what I saw were in a range from gung ho to, eh, I mean, I'd rather stay with the PAC 10 kind of where I'm at was like, well, yeah, I'd rather stay with the PAC 12 because, I do think the regional stuff in college football is kind of the whole fun of it, but also like for more money. Absolutely. Yes. USC is making a very savvy decision. That's probably going to net it national championships down the line. I don't mind it so long as that follows, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, like from that perspective, yeah, it does seem like UCLA was, is less of a driving force because they weren't the driving force behind it. It's very clearly that, that you clear that USC was the driving force behind it. What I'm skeptical about is this idea that USC would have ever left UCLA behind. I don't think that USC, I, I cannot imagine that USC's first choice was Oregon. I, I don't think that's the case. I think USC might have envisioned, if, if USC had written it up, that it would have been USC and UCLA and let's bring Oregon and Washington or let's bring Oregon and somebody uh, and, and do four teams to the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, that's all... Uh, uh, more of a complication. I just, I can't imagine USC walking away from the UCLA rivalry if given the choice. Like it, it, you're telling me that if given the choice, USC would have taken Oregon over UCLA. I, I, I don't, I don't see that happening, especially because as you rightly pointed out, and I don't think this is being talked about enough. UCLA basketball is a bigger deal than it, should be a bigger deal than it currently is. Like UCLA basketball has sort of been in a, a little bit of a rut, but like when UCLA is good, not a little bit of a rut, a, a, I, a longer rut, but like UCLA basketball as a basketball brand is a it's big a bit of a brand. hot take. What is it? Is that my, it's, it's a hot take to what's, say. What's the hot like, take? I think you, we can, we can joke. They've won one title in 48 years, but like, yeah, you no. know, I, I think it's a, you, no, you no, should, no. they're the, a number two seed in the tournament, yes, right? Like they're when, a, yeah, but that's my point. That's that's exactly my point, is that UCLA hasn't won a national title, but UCLA is still a program that that should be looking to be the sort of big blue, blue blood that wins national titles right. in the basketball but sphere. My, so when if you're talking about like, yeah, if you're talking about just from a football perspective, would it be better for USC to bring Oregon along from a football perspective? I guess so, but like... At no point would you as USC look or look at it and say, like, I'm dragging UCLA along with me and going to have to beg the Big Ten to take on UCLA because why would they want UCLA? No, like UCLA sells itself as well in this scenario. Like, I don't think USC needed to do all of the all of the rowing on getting the, the it's, getting the two, two things here. One Basketball never matters with any of this. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter as much, certainly. Because if it did, UConn wouldn't have been thrown away to the side that That's they fair. did. 
th- this entire thing. You can argue that UConn was the top, you know, three brand in college football, especially on the East Coast, where the East Coast doesn't have the premier um, college um, brands uh, in, in terms of size, right? Um, UConn would have never been thrown away to the side. Kansas would have never been thrown away to the side. Like, yeah, basketball does not matter. Um, in terms of how these decisions get made. Number two, yeah, I, I'm sort of with you. I think SC was always going to have UCLA in the mix. Um, whether or not they're the first choice or not, I think is irrelevant um, in how this this all works out. Because I, I can't see SC or UCLA looking at this in a sort of um, like Texas or Texas A&M-ish way where they're willing to throw everything away. Yeah. I mean, SC clearly was willing to throw away the Pac-12 history, and and their you know, you know, hundred years of of uh, history with Cal and Stanford and all of that, um, a way to do this. But I, I maybe I'm naive, but I, I can't believe that they would also do that to UCLA too. The only, the only like counterpoint I could give to myself on this, um is that like the driving forces behind USC even having the idea of saying, hey, let's pursue a Big Ten move. Uh, It's noteworthy that this move comes after USC finally hires an athletic director who doesn't have any ties to the university and doesn't give a crap. Not not that Mike Bone obviously gives a crap about the history of USC athletics, but like he's not tied into and, and, and his, you know, his people that he brought with him that are doing the legwork here um, aren't, they, they don't have the same affinity to these rivalries and to these historic sort of ties to the West coast that the traditional USC athletic department would. So maybe it was, a like Brandon Sosta is sitting there thinking to himself, like if I'm USC and I'm going to the big 10, I'm taking Oregon with me because that's the biggest, the next biggest brand in the PAC 12 football scene. Like well, it, it's entirely possible that that was the discussion. That, that was the name that was going to get the most like heads to turn and take the whole thing seriously. Yeah. You, you know, like, cause you, you have to think about where SC was in the, when this all went down, like we're talking about two years ago at this point. Right. And I, I, I don't know that they go to the, not that I know all the information. I certainly don't, but I don't think they go to the big 10 expecting this all to go down exactly as it did. Yeah. This is a leverage play. If anything, um, if it doesn't work out to, you know, then go to the, the pack 12 and say, Hey, we did this, blah, blah, blah. Um, now look at our other options. Give us, you know, a bigger cut of the pie, do what Texas did in, in, in the, uh, the big 12, go full heel, all of those things. Right. So when it's the, in the argumentative stages of like how you're presenting this, it doesn't necessarily mean that those are the final, like true opinions. So I don't know. There's flexibility there for sure. I don't think it matters in the end. Um, the, in the end, it's SC and UCLA, and SC and UCLA are not leaving each other, which I think is super important given how much it still doesn't make any sense in my head that SC is not going to be in the back 12 anymore. It, it's um, next year. I, I know. It's. Can you believe that? I can't. I. It's It's weird. I mean, and it's weird because we keep talking about, like, we got to get to Autzen because this is the last time 
that yeah. USC is going to play Oregon at Austin in a conference game at least. Yeah. And I keep having that conversation with people and still I haven't processed that like it's next year. Right. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it is coming super, super quickly. Uh, Kenny in the chat says, by bringing UCLA, you're bringing the majority of championships, football and basketball from the pack. Absolutely. Raymond Murdy says UCLA benefits in basketball and SC benefits in football. Exactly. Agree. Uh, and Richard says the Pac-12 money analysis made it pretty clear that the pa- basketball slice was pocket change in comparison. And it is, at the end of the day, mostly about money. 95%, 90% about money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I also I also think that like UCLA athletics as a brand is is a big enough brand. Like UCLA football doesn't necessarily have the the esteem that uh, USC does or or Ohio State or, or Michigan or whatever. That's a take. But you is that a take? But UCLA athletics is a like you know I think it's pretty fair to say that like people recognize the UCLA brand. You, you, people know what that what that people know what their football uniforms look like. Like it's right. it's not like they're in complete obscurity on the football side of things either. You and I are constantly saying that UCLA should be significantly better than they are and have been on the in the football arena. Just you, like you I'm going to make is. an argument about USC basketball in a few minutes, but like that's the thing is uh, yes, it benefits UCLA in, in basketball and USC in football, but it also works the other way around. This is going to benefit UCLA football immensely if they choose to let it yes. um, in ways that could help UCLA reach the pinnacle of what they could be as a football program, which it's scary to say from a USC perspective, but they could be very, very high up there. Like there's no reason that they couldn't be. Sure. So I, I always find it funny to me that when we're talking about brands and like going between something like UCLA and Oregon and, and, and Washington, just the nitpicking is so beyond anything because it, yeah if you a- ask a random person off the street to name a school on the west coast they're going to say sc and ucla before anything else uh if you ask a college football team fan a college football fan anywhere uh who identifies as a college football fan to name a team on the west coast they're probably going to name oregon um just as much as they mention sc and all that stuff right mm-hmm. like it's it's just it's just how it is. The, these these are brands, and they have bigger brands, um, bigger brand power in different in different ways. Um, and if you're the Big Ten, you want to maximize all that. So, uh, SC and UCLA is where it is at the end. Um, let's talk about March Madness. Um, we want to talk about a couple of things, both on the football side and the basketball side. Um, we'll, we'll hold off on the whole Andy and Field discussion uh, for a uh, for a few more minutes because i know that uh people are <laughs> some, antsy some, for that kenny is, is up for it, it. yeah uh, west texas mike might not be uh but l- well, let's talk about the the football side of things espn.com has put together a 64 team college football tournaments um and they've put together the re- the results so far of the first two rounds that they've sort of put together um sc is a number three seed this is designed as if it's going into the 2023 season. So where it stands now has nothing to do with 2022. So in theoretically, this is Dorian Singer at wide receiver for USC. It's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not Addison. Um, this is the 2023 uh, off season team for where USC is right now. 
Uh, they get a number three seed in the East region, uh, and ESPN has them winning their first two games, beating the number 14 seed Duke 38-17, and in the second round beating number 11 Illinois, who knocks off the six seed Kentucky, uh, and the Trojans beating them 37-24, setting up a Sweet 16 matchup with the number two seed in the East, Tennessee. Uh, so the Sweet 16, um, this is how it stands in the South. Uh, you have number one versus number four, Georgia and Ole Miss. The 2-3 matchup in the South is Oregon-Washington. Uh, in the Midwest, it's number one, Michigan versus number four, Notre Dame. Uh, and number two, LSU against number six, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, one of two teams that are the lower seeds that have made it into the Sweet 16. Uh, according to ESPN's projections here. Uh, the East, uh, Ohio State is the number one seed. With uh, They'll play Texas A&M, and then it's SC and Tennessee at the 2-3. Uh, then in the West, it's Alabama, the number one seed, versus Texas, the number five. Uh, and then Florida State and Pitt are the 3-10 matchup uh, in the Sweet 16 as well. So I guess there's three lower seeds, Texas, Pitt and Wisconsin, six, five, and ten. Alicia, what what's what say you about this this whole thing? Because I, I I got thoughts, but I want to know your thoughts. Um, I I think this is a cool idea. I think it would actually be easier to do this based on twenty twenty two teams because you actually knew what those teams were, yes, what they did, and like you could actually judge them against each other in a semi real way. Um, in this case, it's like, well, how does USC do in this, uh, in, in this, in this deal against a Tennessee team that like on instinct right now, I would say if if you told me USC and Tennessee were going to play next this coming year, I would take USC. I mean, I think that it would be an absolute barn burner, but I'd take USC. Um, that could be really dumb if USC's defense doesn't get marginally better or significantly better. Um, or this could be another blowout if USC's defense gets it a lot, lot better. And then, you know, suddenly it's, it's why was USC a, a three seed and not like, you know, right. competing for a one seed kind of question mark. So I think there's a lot of questions. I think it's sort of an interesting exercise. Um, but I, like, it would also be kind of fun. And I'm not sure how, like, I just imagine how could you do this? I think if you wanted to hold and I know I'm getting off the rails here a little bit, so I'll let you say your piece about like what ESPN actually did. But like, if you wanted to do an actual large scale playoff tournament in college football, you'd like, how would you like, it's almost like you'd have to do pods that you put teams into in an almost like champions league, but not because it would be single elimination still. You don't think they could just go six weeks? Okay, so, you mean for the seeding? No, 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 no. Okay, so that's then that's right. If it's six weeks of playoffs, yeah, then the six weeks before that are conference games that set your seed. Like it's like a pre a, a playoff preseason because that way you can no, determine whether or not you just have the regular season and then you just go into six weeks of playoffs. On top, so you'd play a twelve game a twelve game season. You might, then, you might cut it to 10. 
Yeah. See, I, I was thinking, I, I how do think, you fit I don't this think into a twelve-week season? But that's right because if you're like, if you're the team that wins the national title, what do you play? 15 you play fifteen. Games? Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you do a ten-game season and then you do this sort of round robin. Maybe you have like a consolation bracket maybe, or something maybe like that. Maybe it's an eleven-game season. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a way. There's a way to do it. I, I think, um, you know, it would be at, fun. It would just be really, really fun to like see this play out because how else would you get these matchups? I, I will say I'm more of a fan of a 64 team tournament than I am 12. of the 12 <laughs> personally. Um, but I, I I look at this thing and first of all I, I have major gripes with the seeding and then I see that the seeding is based on SP plus, uh, and I like SP plus so. Um, but SP plus the, uh, SP plus is also has its flaws. And like, I think yes. Bill Connolly would be the first person to, uh, admit that like, sure. As a, like, you know, net doesn't do the 64 team. Um, well, it's not designed to, to yeah, pull it's not up designed a, to create a 64 right. team bracket, but you got to do it somehow. And if you're, if you're right. ESPN, it makes sense to just do it that way. Yeah. Uh, Kenny in the chat says this totally takes away from regular season. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Um, and you know, I have gripes about the basketball tournament that the, like, are is the national champion? Should it really be decided by a 64 team tournament in which anyone can get knocked out at any point? Like, I don't think it truly determines the winner. I think it, I think the, the person who gets through certainly you can say has been validated, but that doesn't mean that if you, you know, like Arizona lost to Princeton, right? That doesn't mean that Princeton's a better basketball team. And yes, and and I know that that's not what the the point of March Madness is, but I don't know. So, but that's but to go back to the seed thing. Yeah, the, this the, even this kind of tournament though would not be seeking to decide who is the best football team necessarily, because as Kenny pointed out in the chat, like no, but it's very fun. And like that's the sure. whole point of this. The whole point of the sixty-four team, sixty-eight team, as it is, uh, is that yes, you can have Princeton do that. You can have Fairly Dickinson do that. And would like you if you had a five-game series or even a three-game series, you couldn't have that kind of fun thing. Right. And so it really is about the fun more than like crowning a legitimate champion. Which well, you know, how do you do that? I don't. It, to, to crown a legitimate champion, you have to play like a like a seven game series at the end, which is just unrealistic in football, anyways. But to 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 go to the seedings, my gripe about the seedings, and I get his SP plus ranking, so whatever. But this is you know preseason rankings in general. I think the Pac twelve is going to be kick ass this year. I think we all think that, right? And you look at the seeds. Oregon is a number two seed. Washington and SC are threes. Utah a four, UCLA a five, Oregon State is a seven seed, a seven seed. Like, I, well, I, I mean, I think this is these are fair discussions because, and maybe I'm reading the seating wrong on the way ESPN has it, but like the way I read it is like Penn State is ahead of. First Oregon. of all, and they have Oregon State That's losing insane. their first round matchup to Maryland. Like, get out oh, of here. Oh, that is absolutely get out false. Of here. Oregon State would spank Maryland. There's no question about that. Um, yeah. So yeah. you, the Pac-12, in in this setup, the Pac-12 would would pull off some upsets, I think. Quote-unquote upsets. I, I, I tend to think that. I think that's why when you get to the Sweet 16... Uh, there are three, well, there's three teams there. I think there, there could be, it could be more. 
Anyways, um, uh, really quick, uh, does SC have a chance to beat Tennessee? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think so too. I think I think SC in a one game scenario like this against Tennessee, yes. I, I think that the a sixty four team tournament like this makes SC's chances of getting to the end more likely because what happens what do we see in March Madness? Oh, it comes down to guard play and shooting, right? Like that's what everybody talks about. You know what that means? Scoring. And in a one-game situation, like, and I know football is a one-game situation, obviously, but in a situ- in a tournament like this, I think you can get through, like, just outscoring teams more likely than you could normally with in a normal bowl game scenario where you have multiple weeks to prepare. I, I think, yeah, I think certainly you'd like USC's chances just because yeah. it's sort of go wild and, and be unpredictable and see what happens. Um, so, so if SC gets through Tennessee, they got to play the winner of Ohio state and Texas A&M, which I, could, could they do that? I think certainly they could be one of those teams. Uh, Ohio state, obviously a lot more difficult uh, in that scenario, but also, you know, USC has Caleb Williams and Lincoln well, Riley running the show on offense. And exactly, still the, the best player in college football. Still the big question is on defense. Uh, but when it comes down to it, like, I don't know what USC's defense is. I do know what USC's offense is. So I'm just going to keep betting on that offense. Yeah. Uh, and then, if, of course, FC gets to that. They'd have to play most likely Alabama out of the West and uh, yeah, things would get things would get difficult and, there. And I agree well. with Richard in the chat. The big advantage for USC in the scenario is the chances of a juggernaut being knocked out in yes. the bracket opening up, which is the first thing I said to you when we talked about putting this in the rundown. Is like, yeah, because like there's a chance you don't have to face Georgia because something right. wild happens earlier in this, right. in in the tournament. But Malcolm points out that more games means more chances that SC bounces out. I mean, absolutely. Case in point, as he lost to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. So yes, yeah, absolutely. It, it can go either way. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about basketball. Um, USC, of course, eliminated from the NCAA tournament in the round of 64 by Michigan state 72 62 in Columbus. Boogie Ellis had a rough, rough morning uh, shooting a three of 12 in the field. Only scored six points. Drew Peterson, the other veteran guard for the Trojans only scored 11 you can't have your two best players combined for 17 points when SC's offense goes through the both of those guys, uh, and it ends up in a loss uh, for the Trojans uh, as the number 10 seed trying to uh, get win number six for Andy Enfield in the NCAA tournament, and it doesn't go through. Uh, so let's have the Andy Enfield discussion. Alicia, he's been here for 10 seasons. He's won 205 games. He's made five NCAA tournaments in nine eligible seasons. Of course, the COVID season in uh, 2019-20 had no tournament. Uh, he's won five NCAA tournament wins uh, and games w- with USC, two in 2017 and three in 2021. He's made one Elite Eight in 10 years and one Sweet 16 in 10 years. They did that the same year, 2021. Uh, for reference, SC has two Elite Eights in our lifetimes and three sweet 16s in our lifetime, uh, four 24 plus win seasons. He's finished third or better in five of the past six pac 12 seasons. His record against 
Uh, high flying UCLA is a even 11 and 11, including two top 10 upsets, and seven of those 11 wins came by double digits. In recruiting, he signed the number one player in the 23 uh, 2023 class, Isaiah, Isaiah Collier, and has three times signed top 10 recruiting classes, according to 24-7 Sports Composites. But Alicia, I think you're going to tell me that it's not good enough. It's a question of what USC aspires to. Uh, with USC basketball. And it's a question, like I'm perfectly willing to pose it as a question. What does USC aspire to in basketball? Because if you look at it objectively, and and USC points this out on on social media when it can, objectively, this is the arguably the greatest era of USC basketball in sort of modern times like there was a real success for usc way back way back way when um but this the last 10 years in terms of just straight up success the 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 metrics that you can put out and list outside usc has done better than the program has ever done in these last 10 years so has the enfield era been a success i think you can objectively say for the most part yes if what usc aspires to is middling sort of your success every season is whether or not you make the tournament and then you sort of roll the dice and see how that goes. Um, Personally, I think that if USC wants to be okay with that, then they should keep Andy Enfield because I think we've seen his ceiling. He's going to recruit well um, and he's going to uh, stock the team with, individual talents that uh, can maybe pull you to an elite eight or as a team, you know, come together as an elite eight. I don't want to act like it was just um, Evan Mobley that drove that team to the elite eight, but Mm -hmm. like that team was pretty loaded in terms of ability and talent, veteran veterans and young talented guys and all that. Like that was a perfect storm for USC. Um, So, you know, if if that's what you want to see from USC basketball, absolutely keep Enfield, sign him to a lifetime contract. But you're never going to do more than that, in my opinion. Um, you're going to continue to live in this in-between where you're never bad, you're never truly bad, but you're never truly good either. Um, you have good players, but you never compete for the Pac-12 title. Um, or when you, see, I would do, argue that they are competing. Or when you do, title. you blow it. Uh, finishing the top three by about a six years is competing for the Pac-12 title. Uh, okay, you're finishing in the top three, but are you seriously like you are going to win the Pac-12? He's never won the Pac-12 tournament, uh, which is something that we've right. seen USC do in the past. So his tournament performances in general um, do leave plenty to be desired. Sure. Um, the regular season performance. I personally, this is my take on it, is that USC's brand of basketball is not very entertaining um, because it's so, so frustrating because you do see the makings of a good team and that team lets you down every other game. Right. And so why turn on a USC, why, why get excited about USC basketball when you know you're going to be disappointed unless you go in expecting to lose every game and then, you know, maybe you'll be excited every once in a while when you beat UCLA. I saw a funny tweet um, when USC got knocked out that uh, Andy Anfield needs to find a way to convince his players that they're playing UCLA every time they take the court. And like, that's true. That yeah. that, that feels very true. I think um, 
I think there's a very Clay Hilton pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. <laughs> Uh, to me, it's very Clay Hilton-ish, which, you know, works with that soundbite in that, like, you can write down the things that are being accomplished. But when you look at the teams that are on the, the players that have worn a USC jersey, the teams that have come together, are they being maximized? Are you seeing a team that lives up to what it's capable of? Or are you seeing a team that is sort of sticking to the middle and never quite paying it off, you know? And, and I think that, uh, my, one of my big arguments continues to be that like, you can ride that elite eight, uh, run to the end of the earth, but like, why wasn't that team seated higher than they, like, why were they, I think they were a six seed or a five seed. Like, why wasn't that seat, that team, a two, a two seed? Why wasn't that team like, what a, you look at the players on that team, you look at the composition of that team, like why were they where they were in that season? Um, I don't think this is a very good year to have the discussion necessarily because things did go wrong for USC. The, 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 you know, next great big man that USC brought in had a heart condition, the heart failure. Like Mm -hmm. it was a random, you can't control that. And you didn't have him for large stretches of the season. USC dealt with injury. This wasn't the most talented USC basketball team. I don't think in a vacuum that you can look at a loss to a Tom Izzo coach, Michigan state team in a 10, seven matchup is like the end of the world in terms of of USC basketball failures. I don't even think it's a particular failure. You, uh, you know, but I think my issue is I continue to watch this USC basketball team as coached by Andy Enfield. And I just continue to be disappointed. And for me, I don't see why USC basketball can't rise above the level that they're at. And I think that's really the, 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 the issue here, right? It's a question of if you fire Enfield, what are the chances that you're going to get someone better than him? Well, it's at best 50, 50 at best. I, 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 mm. So I'm I'm torn on that side of things because I think there absolutely is a Bo Pelini thing here where if you fired Enfield right now, it's because he's not winning championships, right? I mean, if you fired Enfield right now, to be honest, it's to me because he's not winning Pac-12 championships. What, those yeah. are championships. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. He's, he's not I, winning I, championships. I don't think USC, like it's not like I'm a, a USC basketball fan who's sitting here saying like, unless he wins a national title, like get rid of him. Yeah, It's just sort of a bare, very basic, like if USC isn't winning Pac-12 championships, then are you really living up to what you could be I, as a program? Like, so, are you are you okay with never winning Pac-12 cha- championships? I, when you're in a conference with a couple of Blue Bloods. Who have not been particularly dominant, who have, by the way. Who have combined to win two national championships in the last hundred seasons. In the last 10 years, what have those two teams done? What have Arizona and UCLA done in the last 10 years? That's that's valid, Oregon, but they've always been there. Oregon has, has been and, the one that, to Oregon, win Oregon string has, of titles. Oregon has, yeah. has, uh, has won... Um, Yes. Pac 12s. Well, but like but, but what I'm saying, like the, the the difficult part about this is you look at all the coaches that SC has had um you know recently, uh in the, in the last thirty years, really, right? There haven't been that many coaches. 
George Raveling, of course, took SC uh, to their highest ever AP uh, uh, final um, ranking, at least of our lifetime, uh, number eight in, in in 1992. They, they believe they were number two seed in 1992. Um, and then SC was seventh and fifth uh, in 61 and 71, but didn't make the, the, the tournament in, in, in 71, despite going 24 and two. So historically, George Radley has an, a great season, right? He has, you know, a great season under his belt. Um, Henry Bibby follows him up and he takes SC to an elite eight. He's followed by Tim Floyd, who takes SC to a sweet 16 and three straight seasons in which SC was ranked, um, which Henry Bibby did too. He's followed by Kevin O'Neill, who doesn't pan out, who's followed by Andy Enfield. Andy Enfield, Tim Floyd, and Henry Bibby, and George Raveling, their accomplishments are all basically the same. They're all basically the same. Uh, the difference is Andy Enfield has just been very consistent in what he's done um, and gotten more time than those other guys. But this is what USC basketball is. SC basketball is a is a good middle-of-the-road Power 5 team who underachieves historically. And part of that is because their arch-rival, um, depending on who you ask, is either the greatest blue blood of all time or was the greatest blue blood of all time. And they're in a, a conference that has a, another very good blue blood fringe team in Arizona and Oregon consistently is very good. And, and, you know, Dan Altman is one of the best coaches in the country, et cetera, but you can't, okay. you can't necessarily say that about Andy Enfield. And that's what, that's what you want. That's, and that, and that, I, that's, that's all I'm saying. All yes. I'm saying is that if Oregon can have Dan Altman, then why does USC settle for Andy? Enfield? To me, that is the best argument there is like, yes, Oregon should not be out doing what SC does, considering SC's recruiting ability, SC's stature in LA and all that stuff. Obviously SC cares about basketball because they pay Andy Enfield well, and he's, you know, been along around a while and he's recruiting and all that stuff. But like, I'm not a basketball expert. I'm not going to sit here and tell you why his teams are failing. I, I, the way I look at it, this is SC basketball just being relevant every year by making the tournament. And, you know, this is better than USC basketball being bad, but like, yes. is it actually, is it actually worth continue? It's been 10 years. Like it's, it's been 10 years. Andy Enfield has had a chance and, He's done again. It's the Clay Helton thing. It's he's done just good enough to keep him to keep extending him. But like, but he doesn't have a five and seven season in the middle. That's of the, well, yes, like, and that's why he. So, that's why there's not that kind of pressure on him because right. I, I mean, he it, does have the losing season in 2019. It is not particularly easy to argue to fire Andy Enfield. As someone who argues it often, I can tell you this. It is not particularly easy because it is a nuanced argument. Because right. as Kenny says in the chat, like 
there's no historical precedent for, for precedent for USC to be better at basketball. Exactly. There is. But could they be is the question that Kenny asks. And that's that's all I'm saying is like, why does Alabama basketball get to get to get to do a thing where they have a number one overall uh, yeah. get to be the number one overall seed? Like, why does Baylor basketball get to win a national title? Right. Like this it's not it's not like only Duke and only Kentucky and only North Carolina and only right. UCLA are winning things right now. It's like, no, there are teams out there who are doing interesting things in the basketball space to make it like sound like Ohio a, like State a Michigan thing. have been good. Yeah. What basketball what, schools. what rights do those teams, what historical precedent do any of those teams have to be good at basketball? None of them. Like, so why couldn't USC be better at basketball? It would be a risk to fire Andy Enfield. You'd be putting yourself out on a limb and you would be risking the prospect of really destroying all the progress that you made uh, under the Enfield uh, era where you but were consistently to, to go back getting to in it. the field. Like, but again, like I'm, I'm tired of where USC basketball is at. I'm ready to take the next step. It's a, it's a weird catch 22 because I like, you get rid of Anfield, Enfield, and like suddenly, um, yeah, maybe it's the Bo Pelini moment. But yeah. like, but like I mentioned, but what's the literally worst that every happen? coach in our lifetime, with the exception of Kevin O'Neill, and even even he went to a, an NCAA tournament. But that's that's like, my like point. What's every the worst? single one has done has had that one good season, and then a few good years, and a couple of bad ones. Enfield has avoided the bad ones because he started with a couple of really bad seasons and then put everything together in year three since he's been recruiting exceptionally well. Like the recruit that's, and that's part of, that's part of his downfall is like, when I see all of these great recruits that you're bringing in, when you're bringing in the number one recruit in the country and it's not just him and a bunch of scrubs because you're getting good transfers in, you're getting good uh, uh, secondary kind of recruits, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm going to ask more of you, but that's my thing is if you get rid of Andy Enfield, what's the worst that could happen? Four years of Kevin O'Neill. I lived through four years of Kevin O'Neill. Okay, you fire him because he sucks. Right, like that's the beauty of well, uh, uh, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you could get worse, but like if he's worse, then you just move on to the next. You right. roll your next dice. Well, like I don't know. We we talk about Tim Floyd. Tim Floyd was here for four seasons. Went to a Sweet Sixteen. Realistically, should have gone to Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. North Carolina dead to rights. Uh, and then they just and then they weren't. Um, they just couldn't rebound or do anything. Yeah. The game that will haunt people forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, all the off-field stuff becomes an issue. Um, if he if he avoids that, maybe he's here longer. Maybe he's the guy who, you know, takes SC to the next step. Or maybe he's and a maybe- lot like Ravlin and Bibby and just never take that next step either. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard. Um, I, I think the, the, the thing for me is SC basketball is relevant in the sense that they are making the tournament more often than not. They are playing key conference games. They are not pl- like, it's not like the Galen they're, center is sold out every night, but like they're, they're not beating, playing in front of nobody. You know what? The other thing that's really helped Enfield justify keeping his job. He beat CCLA. Yeah. Just beating UCLA and, is, and, is and having a big win every year. And it when feels you are like the, there's a big win every year. When you are the little brother in basketball, which yeah. SE is, yeah. That 
that sort of matters. I, I think it's, I, I, this is one of those things where it's like I can understand the argument that, you know, to move on, but it's just I, I don't see how he's done enough to, to not be the guy. Like I said, it's not easy necessarily to argue for it. I just would say, go be bold, go be bold and try to be better. Sure. Um, you're obviously not going to fire him now. Like the, the, this is the frustrating thing about it too. It's like the same conversations we were having about Clay Hilton a few years ago. It's like, you're not going to fire him after he just won the Pac-12. Like, yeah, he got his but, butt beat but, by but, but also, State, but he just won the Pac-12, like for the first time in 10 years, like you're not going to fire him. So you know, you, 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 you persist. You're going to still be, he has the number one recruit. I predict it'll be very similar to what went down with, with, you know, Evan Mobley potentially. Um, if he has another, if he has a sweet 16 run with, with Collier, then he's probably going to continue to, to, to sort of vibe. And I'm going to continue to make my argument that like, if you have Isaiah Collier, you should be aspiring to more. If you have Evan Mobley, you should be aspiring to more, but like, you know, you, you want to know my my um my dreams for SC basketball? Ronnie comes to USC and uh, wins, no, 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 wins no, no, the title. No. God no, no, <laughs> no, no. Can we can we scrub that from the audio? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, um, Sweet Sixteen. I think SC realistically should make a Sweet Sixteen every four years. I don't think that's a lot to that's ask. That's not asking a lot. I don't think, and that doesn't mean when literally recru- every four years. I think when you average it out every four years. When you're recruiting the way that Enfield is, that's not asking too much. Yes, I think I, I don't think that that's asking too much. No. And every decade, um, hope to make the, to, to have an Elite Eight in there for sure. And, you know, every 20 years making a Final Four, like... 15, 20 years making a final four. I don't think that's too much to ask for. When 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 we're 80 years old and we we're dying at 80 and you're like, well, they made the final four four times in our lifetime. Like <laughs> that, that makes sense, right? I I as as we talked about earlier, this a 64 team tournament is a crapshoot. Like if you judge things based if you're USC and you judge things based on championships, you're just gonna be disappointed. I mean, it's it's very, very difficult to win this whole thing. My thing continues to be just my perception of the team and whether or not they're maximizing their potential or even meeting their potential. I I, I don't feel like they are. Yeah. Um. Maybe I expect too much from them. It's maybe maybe I do. Maybe I do. But like, I don't know. All right. Uh, let's get into the mailbag. We got a bunch of mailbag stuff uh, to get to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've got mail. All right. Uh, let's start with a question we, we got a while back from Randy about uh, who won the over-under for last season. So I've finally put it all together. Um, I'm super excited to talk about this because we should have talked about this a long time ago. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the season then- ended. We had, you know, family emergency for a month. Um, and then this happened, that happened, and here we are. So uh, let's get to uh, some over-under. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Alicia, the Cotton Bowl results, of course, were doubled, which means that at the end of the season, there were exactly 100 over-unders. 100 over-under points. The winner, we, we do have a winner. We do. With 65. Uh, but I want to name off the top 10, and I'll go in reverse order here. Tied for ninth, we have four people tied for ninth. Uh, which is crazy. Uh, 28 pitch, Callie Cat, Callie Matt, and Stephen Chaud tied for ninth with uh, a 56 and 44 record. In eighth place, Ocean Beach Trojans, 57 uh, and 43. Tied for sixth, Randy from Redlands and Scott Cox at 58 and 42. Now we got top five. Top five. Sean from Mid-City-ish, 59 and 41 at number five. Uh, Sean went a perfect 12 and 0 in the Cotton Bowl. Wow. Vaulting up the yeah. standings then. He got all six right, double points, a so 12 and 0. Hell of a run. Hell, he, but he could not get into the top four. Number four, Jay Vandy with a record of 60 and 40. Nice. Tied for second. Carrie from Chicago and Moose Pants. Great name, by the Great way. Great name, by the way. <laughs> 63 and 37 are Carrie from Chicago and Moose Pants. Uh, two different people, at least as far as I know. Uh, Carrie from Chicago uh, went 10 and 2 in the Cotton Bowl, but could not get to number one. And number one is Ryan from Arizona. Woo! Congratulations, Ryan from Arizona. He went 10 and 2 in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, and you win with a 65 and 35 record. And what a crazy final game it was because, you know, we talked about, you know, the four people tied for ninth. Stephen Chad was one of those four people. Stephen Chad went two and 10 in the Cotton Bowl. Ouch. This feels like me. And he, and he found a way to go 12 and 0 somehow. He wins the whole thing. Just brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Yep. Just like SC's uh, performance. Uh, and also, congratulations for Callie Cat and Callie Matt for tying. I, I think that's yeah. got to be good for discussions at home. Yeah, it's got it's to be, yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were going back and forth. They were trading trading spots on that uh, on that leaderboard. Yeah. So, good to see. So there we go. And, uh, and I forgot to look up where you and I finished, but oh well. Nowhere near the no, Nobody cares about our Nowhere folks. near. <laughs> No, uh, it's we, better that we don't know. This is true. Um, we got a, a YouTube comment from Blondie. Uh, this is talking about the SC band. 
Uh, when a penalty goes in USC's favor, they play all right now. I don't remember them playing anything when USC gets flagged. I've heard other teams play Star Wars at us when we get penalized. To which our pal uh, Richard in, in the uh, in the chat responded over on our Discord server. And uh, Alicia, what uh, what did he have to say? He he put together a long list of uh, of all the stuff. Richard Richard is is our is our band guy. He uh, he is our inside man when it comes to all band info. So uh, big ups to Richard for setting the record straight. So. All the situational music with varying degrees of reliability is as follows. Team runs out the tunnel, fight on. Kickoff, at any point, all I do is win, followed by the go cadence. First down on offense, third down chorus of fight on. Sorry, third chorus of fight on. First down on offense. Sorry, (laughs) second down on offense, any drumline cadence. Third down on offense, charge. Created by Tommy Walker, former Charger. Yeah, former Charger. First down on defense, a cheer or a cadence. Uh, Three, I cannot read. Five or less yard gain or a successful stop on third or fourth is tribute to Troy, which is what uh, opposing fans hate. Mm -hmm. They think we play it all the time, and I always tell them, uh, you realize that USC only plays well, this that. This is the only, only song, song we know. know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, USC plays it when they get a defensive stop. So maybe don't let USC's defense stop you and you won't hear it. It's Same true. with fight yeah. on. Fight, they play fight on when you get a first down. Stop the first down so you won't need to hear it. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, third down on defense. Uh, new tribute to Troy thing. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but little, okay. Probably new, just new a, little, new, uh, a new little zing. a new little thing. Yeah. Um, after a sack, it's another one by the dust mm-hmm. after a turnover for the opponent. Only good queen song, by the way. Ah, oh, you are so. It's a terrible band either way. <sighs> okay. Uh, opponent turnover is all right now. Great free song. Opponent punt or kick is block that kick chant after a score, but before the extra point is fight on from the top after the extra point is conquest. The short version. Opponent penalty is levels. It used to be Doctor Who, which for a very convoluted reason is actually rock and roll part two, frequently called the Hay Song. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, which is right. That? Hey. That's right. Yeah, okay. I got I got it wrong. Yeah. Um third quarter break slash torch slash traveler is the Lone Ranger, but it's really the William Tell Overture. Oh, that's funny. I, I always think of it as the William Tell Overture, but yeah, maybe it's just the William arrangement. Um, okay. Penalty on USC is the Imperial March, but only sometimes. And after opponents first score, but very inconsistently used this way, sunshine of your love. Yeah. Uh, and then Richard also has dropped into the chat to say that the new tribute thing is a remix that's intended to get more fan noise than just the regular tribute. So I'll have to pay attention for that because I'd be, yeah. Yeah. So listen to that on third down, third down. So West Texas, sorry, I assume West Texas Mike says new tribute to Troy is played at a higher octave or something. Um, and Richard says, Dr. Bartner had weird names for things. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I feel it. I Sometimes you just have a, a name come to you and that's the one that sticks, even if it's not the most perfect logical name. It's just it's just what the label, what it came to in your head. So 
yeah. yeah. So thank you for the, sir, for setting the record straight on all of these things. Um, it's like, I don't know. I'm a nerd. I find it really fun to know the inside baseball of like, this is the thing that triggers that thing. And this is the thing that says we're going to play that yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, it's very, it's very fun. Yeah. So a uh, big shout out to Richard for, for working us up over there with uh, with the list. Uh, and if you are a member with us in the rot squad uh, and are part of our discord, you can head over to discord and, and see what he wrote in the, uh, the podcast chat. Um, you can always join us here live on YouTube uh, every Monday with a new episode. But you can also join us as a member in the Rot Squad for $4.99 a month. Uh, we have extra monthly content, which we'll come out with next week uh, for the month of March, uh, along with uh, chatting with us on Discord and putting together uh, your thoughts with the rest of our community uh, as we get ready between each episode and talking about whatever, SC football, baseball, basketball, the Oscars, whatever people have on their mind. Formula One, probably not because there's not much to discuss. Uh, all those things. So <laughs> Never much to discuss in Formula One. Certainly ever. not. Uh, so, yeah. all right. Hey, uh, hey we are about to finish. We don't want to say. We don't want to say. We're about to finish a very important TV show. Yes. And I like part of me thinks that... Um, Maybe not like the bonus episode because the bonus episode for the for the subscribers should be something that's like actually US USC focused, but like yes. a bonus episode could be we could record, something to record something on the side and just drop it in Discord. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Then yeah. you really gotta also I, I wanna do one of those uh those live chat um like a like a live call in show because now that we got this cool soundboard with you know like playoffs talk about playoffs you, you kidding didn't, me you yeah. didn't drop that at any point that I, we were I, talking about i forgot i had it <laughs> forgot i had it anyways yeah. now that we have this thing it can connect to callers so we can bring callers and stuff so i'm super excited about that um so we can bring some calls back in the mix Rose Bowl, baby. yeah we can get you guys back on the show and uh, maybe do a, a, a call-in show for the monthly show yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, if not this month, in the future month, something, sometime. So, yeah, well, the, everything's looking onward and upward. We're super excited about it. Big shout out to uh, to uh, John from Seattle who hooked us up with the new soundboard. So, yeah, so things are things are good over here. We will be back next week to talk about more SC football. Of course, SC was on spring break this past week, so there's no uh, spring camp uh, updates, but they'll. Uh, continue this week as well. Yeah, next next week we'll have uh, spring camp to talk about, so that'll be fun. There you go. So, all right, guys, we will be back until then. Um, all right, we will see you next time. See you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.